Hi there, my name's Diego, and you're listening to the British Latino Network's episode four of the podcast series. In this episode, we're speaking to Claudia Adler. She is the founder of Raices UK, and she's also a British Latina of Colombian heritage, grown up in London, who is now living in Sweden. We speak about many topics in this episode, ranging from education, starting up your own business, and eventually humanitarian affairs. If you like to listen to more of these types of topics, then please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcast streaming platforms. Please search British Latino Network and leave your feedback. It's very much appreciated. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the British Latino Network's podcast. Today, we have Claudia with us. How are you doing, Claudia? Hi, Diego. I am doing really well. Very, very excited to be on board and um, super happy to be able to uh, have a conversation with you and, and talk about all sorts. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And um, I think I'm just as excited as, as you are. I think we've got quite a lot of topics to, to cover. And I think that our listeners are going to be interested in what you have to say. So you're the founder of Raices UK, right? I, I am, yes. So I began Raices in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially we began uh, with sort of our social arm, which was to provide sponsorship for children in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, the company then developed uh, and really kind of took force in 2019 right. uh, when I began working with Ellen Bjerkehog, who is now our co-founder. So we're, you know, two business partners and what we've done is we set up the Wing Summit and the Wing Awards Mm -hmm. as the main events for uh, races. Okay, great. So we're definitely going to be talking about that more in depth. So we're going to talk about your background a bit. Um, You're you're quite an interesting case because you're based out of Stockholm, right? That's right, yes. Uh, You grew up here in London? I did, yeah. So it's quite a mix and you're doing work across the world. You've got some interest in Uganda. So it's quite interesting to really see the mix. So what is your, so tell us about yourself, your background, where you're originally from and the whole journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. So originally born in Colombia, Medellin, mm-hmm. um, born in the 80s, when give more specific dates, no, I'm joking, yeah. <laughs> born in 1982. Um, my mom was one of 11 and the first one to immigrate Colombia. Right. Um, one due to the violence, you know, Pablo Escobar and, and all of that. So she left to be able to provide me with a with, with a safer home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joined her a year and a half afterwards. Yeah. And so I grew up in London, North London, mm-hmm. um, only child, First half sister, but from her side only child. Um, Large extended families, like most African American um, families, didn't really have. Well, we didn't have an example of anybody going to university then. Um, And as sort of a typical immigrant family, they began cleaning and uh, you know waitressing and all these sort of uh, jobs which are available to 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 immigrants. You know back then, so. Um, that was kind of the start of everything mm-hmm. and I believe that the UK really sort of gave us sort of the, you know first generation the opportunity to get into university mm-hmm. interestingly yeah. enough um, my mum and uncles and aunties have now began to go through university right, yeah. at a later stage so yeah. that's exciting yeah that's really good so what did you study at university so I 
Actually, I was a bit confused and I ended up going into university a little bit later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started with my law degree right. um, at uh, East London University. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely loved it theory-wise. Yeah. But then it, it didn't sort of become practical uh, for me to continue because of... Um, it was very difficult to get into, I think, back then with uh, pupillage. Right. Um, yeah. And that was in the kind of money that you had to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was very difficult. I then started working. Yeah. I was a single mother then. Mm-hmm. Um, so my priority was really to sort of look after my son. Yeah. And I stopped studying for a while, sort of after my law degree. And then mm-hmm. I embarked on my master's <coughs> in international humanitarian affairs. Yeah. And now you are excitedly embarking on... Uh, PhD journey? Yes, um, I started 2019 with my PhD and you know to be honest with you it's it's kind of one of the best things that I've done Um, and if you look at sort of where I started in my journey Mm -hmm. that wasn't that wasn't the trajectory that I should have taken necessarily Um, but it really does prove that you know if you have a niche and if you have an interest you can really pursue it if you just go through um, the educational ladder. Right, and how have you found the whole transition? Because, you know, as a first-generation immigrant, did you, th- did you find like any issues, any challenges once you actually got into university? And I'm guessing also post-university, you know, kick-starting your career. Um, it could be maybe an assumption, but, you know, people who are mostly based here, they've got already a, a wide network of people they can ask for support to kick-start uh, kick their career. Do you sort of find those to be challenges? I did in a way because as I, as I mentioned I didn't have those role models growing up yeah. you know one because of sort of family situations I couldn't say I couldn't ask questions about careers or you know what course should I get into what university so that I didn't have that sort of immediate go-to person mm-hmm. and I had to sort of find that out by myself yeah. and you make mistakes um, and not everything is clear at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were definitely the challenges. And I agree with what you say. You know, network is a is a huge thing. And you know that's why having positive role models, I think, is now so important for yeah. sort of the upcoming generations. Definitely. And you know, like you said, the, the your your journey wasn't necessarily the traditional, uh, conventional journey of someone going to secondary school, college, university. Um, and then straight into a professional career for what they've studied. Um, but I guess um, what we can see is that your journey really is, is, is shedding an example that when there's a world, there really is a way. And eventually things work out and you find, you find your niche, like you said, you find your, your area of interest. And I think that's important to highlight because, you know, we've got young people, but we probably have older people also who are listening who may be in a, in a job that they don't like, maybe they're in a course that they don't really feel like it was the course for them, and they maybe got pressured into it, or they thought it was right. And, and really, they, they, you, know, you can feel sort of stuck, like maybe this is it, I'm not gonna be able to progress. Absolutely. But your example, I think the example of many, of, of many people now, especially in the Latin American community, are, are showing that it doesn't matter if it's not a traditional way, what matters is that you've got the, that, that, that will to do it. And so I think that that's definitely something worthy of, of highlighting. And um, have you found that that's sort of, because that requires resilience. It does, know? absolutely. And, and I think sometimes it's difficult to sort of map out your journey. Yeah. And, you know, what I found sort of if, if I look back at sort of, you know, 
my career and and sort of my my educational journey Mm -hmm. it was it wasn't clear to me right from the start where I was going to finish so after after my law degree I was like okay so I've gone this far I'm not able to get to pupillage Mm -hmm. so I'm going to start working because life happens you know my life was that I I had to look after my son Daniel and that was my priority and you know somebody else could be that you know they have family commitments and you know you have bills and and (laughs) the older you get the more responsibility you acquire you know um, and then I gave myself that chance and I really believe it's about giving yourself that opportunity that you can you can somehow do it Mm -hmm. and it is challenging, you know, because I was working full time and I was doing my masters part time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I did have Daniel, but those are those are sort of the the sacrifices that you need to take in order to develop yourself. Yeah. And that's about putting yourself uh, first mm-hmm. um, and and making you know making yourself that priority. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, experiences like that, uh, like you're saying, build up your character. And essentially, it's important to understand the actual value that that, that will have on your career and, in your case, also your projects. Now, with, with Raices, you know, having that resilience, that dedication, that determination will eventually feed into other areas of our, of our lives. And so sometimes, uh, putting ourselves and going through a difficult circumstance isn't as much as the present, but actually the, the fruit we're going to yield from it down the line. Absolutely. So, so yeah, definitely. So, um just before we move on, what have you found that you learned from the journey at university and now you're also in your PhD? Something that, that sticks out to you that maybe you'd like to, to, to share to others that maybe you would say, well, this is the thing that I take from this experience. You know, I, you know education is, is one route to, to sort of developing yourself mm-hmm. and it's the one route that I, I chose and works for me. Yeah. Um, the lesson that I would say is that there's nothing better than investing in yourself. Yeah. And when you invest in your knowledge, and it doesn't have necessarily have to be university, it could be. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if when you invest in your knowledge, that's something that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. You know, when when you go in and and you have a job, you can you can get demoted. You know, you could be made redundant. You could lose your house. But sort of the the knowledge and the investment that you have within yourself, nobody can take that away. And that's something which I really value and I treasure. Yeah. And sort of the further up I've 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 come now in my education, you know, within my research, it's something that's so sort of um, it's sort of my property. You know, right, yeah. it's, it's my knowledge-based property and yeah. it's it's fantastic to see and I, I am you know proud of myself because I can see from where we started to where we're at and you know I haven't come from a place of privilege mm-hmm. so I'm able to to say to other people who you know have excuses there doesn't have to be excuses yeah 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 and I think that is a that's definitely a universal lesson for doesn't really matter what age uh, excuses isn't really shouldn't be allowed no they shouldn't in the way we approach uh, life in every area cool so we're going to move on to to your project so Raices your company you founded Raices UK so talk to us about Raices what does Raices do how did it start about so Raices means roots yeah. in Spanish um, and for us it was really to be able to sort of you know bury down and uh, find and seek talent mm-hmm. so really really kind of um, be able to recognize um, 
change makers within different ethnic groups. Yeah. Um, and our first event was in was in September 2019 in Stockholm, yeah. um, and we had a summit and we had an awards. You know, some of the unique features of it was that the summit um, allowed a hundred students to attend for free. Right. in a bid to be able to inspire them, to motivate them, to give them that opportunity to listen to, you know, the CEO of Sodexo, for example, yeah. you know, influencers, and, and have those sort of uh, discussions and awaken that curiosity. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what was the, the motivation for you to start uh, Raises? The motivation was, it really came from sort of my, my previous work experience. So um, I'd work in business development, uh, mm. getting sponsorship for other event companies. And the last project that I worked on was a gender diversity program. And I really felt that there was space in the market to be able to work with partners by that. I mean, you know, be banks or, you know, organizations and team up with, def- with different partners that really want to be able to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing now, you know, the the trends which are going on is is all on sustainability you know how can companies be more sustainable how can companies make an impact so it's not so much on you know greed and making money and all of that it's about it's it's, there's something greater exactly and there's so much talent out there from so many different ethnic backgrounds um different walks of life Mm -hmm. people that just haven't don't have that platform where they can be recognized and that's what we wanted to do Mm-hmm. Was there an element of uh, personal experience that sort of fed into into the the idea behind and also the mission behind um, uh, Raises? I think I, I think sort of unconsciously we bring in sort of um, our own our own life experiences, mm-hmm. and there's so much Latin talent out there as well, yeah. which isn't being recognized mm-hmm. um, there's so much potential yeah. you know you know all corners all different continents um, and what we wanted to do was do something different because what you see in a lot of um, events and awards is you have the same elite mm-hmm. the same groups. got the same groups of people being recognized and handing awards to each other yeah. you know why don't we reverse it why don't we do something different yeah okay great and so what have you, in terms of the actual projects you're, you're currently working on with Raises, um, would you like to expand more on the projects that you, you're working with? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we're really excited because this will be entering our second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 will be bringing the Wing Summit and Awards to London. Yeah. Um, and we're really, because we believe, I mean, London is, is huge and it's so diverse and, you know, that's one of the beauties of it. Yeah. So we think it will be a great, um, it will be a great place to, to host the summit um, mm-hmm. and the awards. Um, so we'll be opening our nominations um, in February. Yeah. It's free to enter. Yeah. So anybody who you think is exceptional is doing amazing work within, say, community, their role models, they're fantastic entrepreneurs, they're working within sports, um, nominate those people or nominate yourself. Right, okay. And how can people get involved? So for example, let's say someone's heard uh, the work that ISIS is doing and they they share your vision, they share your values and they want to get involved with the work that you're doing, how can they get in touch, what can they do? Website, Instagram, so our website is www.raices.org.uk mm-hmm. and you can find us on Instagram which is at Raices Official. 
Yeah. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn and you know social media nowadays. I think that's that's one of the best ways to be able to get in touch. Um, we're looking for people that want to um, manage our social Instagram account, that want to yeah. be able to post, that want to get into writing, that want to write blogs. You know, in in promoting change makers, in promoting diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And we know that companies work best when they have a diverse team. Yeah, definitely. Any lessons that you've uh, taken from from actually starting up a company? Because I can imagine there's a lot. God, yeah. I- don't take too long yeah you know don't take too long doing it you know if I look back and I see the amount of years and energy that I spent working for somebody else Mm. in a project which wasn't necessarily that groundbreaking yeah yes thank you for the experience and you know I've I've learned some amazing things but my talent should be invested elsewhere yeah um so my advice to you is is um it's just to do it <laughs> yeah and I think uh, I think that's something that many people sort of experience you know because there's that mentality where there's like that barrier like how do I make the jump from the 95 from my professional job from now because m- most people will have their own vision of what they want you know most people there'll be a group of people who don't want to be stuck in an office for the rest of their life um, and if they do they want it to be aligned to their actual interests what do you think was the main barrier stopping you from actually from actually doing that? I think the the system the system that, that we operate in is a bit of a rat race because mm-hmm. you know let's face it your your average nine to five isn't making that much money to say that they can stop working for four or five months and and be able to pay bills. So right? you earn just enough. You earn just enough yeah. to continue and to need to go back and yeah. you know and do more, and that's the truth. Yeah. Um, so if you actually look at it that way, it's not that you're losing that much. Yeah. You do have to find a different form of income. Yeah. You know, plan that out. Yeah. Maybe. Um, have a strong network begin to network begin to kind of voice your idea soft launch mm-hmm. and and see where, where it takes you but you just have to you have to make that jump you mm-hmm. need to make that decision and at the end of the day you know it's it's really sort of entrepreneurs that are that are kind of coming out and being creative because you have that space I found that when I was working in you know my nine to five I had a select task and yeah. I couldn't really look beyond that. Yeah. And I also couldn't really develop or evolve beyond that. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's, it's crippling when it comes to your talent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so you made the jump, you're in the, in the entrepreneurial sphere now, you're doing your, your work, you're developing it. What challenges have you, have you faced now that you've, you've been in it? Well, it's always, uh, it's always growing it, mm-hmm. uh, being profitable, yeah. getting your brand across, getting, getting your name across, um, creating those business uh, relationships. Um, so that's, that's sort of, you know, I think the beginning of, of everything. Um, and that's obviously challenging. But I think now that we have social media, I think that's brilliant to mm-hmm. be able to sort of market if you don't have a big marketing budget Um, being able to collaborate with other sort of promotional partners and take on you know if you if you guys have sort of a similar vision being able to sort of unite with other entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that's why I think network networking events are so crucial Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah definitely I can see how how scalability will definitely be be a challenge you know because it's quite difficult to to get a natural growth to a business and uh, make it sustainable. So I'm guessing that that would definitely be 
be a challenge, but with the with the tools that you said, and I'm guessing also with the with the experience that you, you start to to gather, it becomes a bit a bit clearer. So, yeah. Okay. So we're gonna move on to your your interests outside of uh, raíces. Um, any any personal interests, uh, hobbies, stuff you like to do on the side when you're not too busy? You know, it's it's funny you mention that because 2019 was sort of quite difficult and challenging year for us mm -hmm. because it was sort of our first event and we were working so hard um, and some of the lessons that I learned from that year was the need to be able to sort of self-love and yeah. take care of yourself and look after your mental health look after your body um, and I'm recently I've gotten into yoga but right. the, the reason why I laugh is because if you know me that's really you know you wouldn't you wouldn't put two and two together right. um, <laughs> But it's been something which um, which has really sort of helped and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm not doing anything crazy, but sort of taking that time to exercise. My PhD is fantastic because it kind of disconnects me from the business world and I go off and I do my reading and I do my writing and I, you know, it's, it's a different kind of stimulation for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also busy at home. I've got three amazing kids, a yeah. husband, a rabbit. So... full <laughs> house. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's always, you know, demand and they're all males. Yeah. <laughs> the only female in my household, which is most of the time it's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. So your PhD, so we touched on the fact that you're in your PhD and obviously it's uh, it's more, more than actual, let's say, academic uh, pursuit it's also like you said it's an interest as well you know it's something where you, you can disconnect and you can focus on that on that facet of your of your personality also um, what is the the topic of your PhD or what's your interests yeah so the so the my research is on education for girls mm -hmm. primarily yeah. um, and it's to to be able to really understand how a certain policy uh, regresses gender norms and mm -hmm. it discourages girls from continuing in education um, you know if, if we're looking at sort of the workforce we know that uh, gender parity within within work is we're not there yet yeah. uh, same with sort of the the pay um, and the the sort of cluster or that the main um, number of girls out of school sits in a particular region which is sub-Sahara Africa yeah. um, and Afghanistan as well which is pretty high um, so it's been able to understand you know what are those trends uh, which are preventing girls from being able to have equal opportunity yeah and um, I guess because obviously you're still going to be in actually developing the research gathering the data um, but based out of your sort of reading that you've done so far, what do you think are like the main barriers uh, for entry for girls into education and then the workforce? So if we're looking at if we're looking at sort of um, you know sub-Saharan Africa, if we're looking at sort of um, if we're looking at sort of that demographic, we we see that period poverty is is a big barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, poverty in general is, yeah. is a barrier so if a family only has enough money to send their you know certain amount of children to school they'll they'll choose their, their boys mm -hmm. over the girls because um, the sexuality um, of women is still very owned 
So right. it's owned by society, it's owned by the family, it's owned by the state. Mm -hmm. So if you're a woman, you're expected in some cultures mm -hmm. to be a mother. Right. Yeah. And so education, you know, is kind of wasted on you. Right. So it's being able to kind of reverse those ideals that women are just mothers or that women are just there to be wives. Right. You know, when you look at a man, you don't necessarily just uh, see him as a, a, as a potential father. Right. You yeah. know, you, he, he's kind of like free to do and to be what he wants. Yeah. There, you know, there aren't any determining factors. But for women, we have, you know, we're, we're very much sort of um, boxed into, into um, our gender norms and sort mm -hmm. of, you know, that takes precedence over me, Claudia, as a person. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so the motivation for the, for the actual, for the research topic, where did that sort of uh, originate? I think the motivation is 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 equality. I'm passionate about it. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that women have so much to give to society. Um, you know, in Europe, we we still have a lack of women within um, tech and engineering, and you know, all sorts of whatever more male-dominated industries. So mm -hmm. there are still those barriers. Um, in in Europe for for women to sort of pursue those careers and in other countries like South America you know in other in, in other places like South America or like Africa um, and Asia uh, there are even greater barriers yeah. where women are still stereotyped yeah and how do you think um, I guess this is just us sort of looking forward um, how do you think that this can what are the sort of the ways for this to, to go forward, you know? How, how can we address this issue? Because of course you're going to be generating the research, um, you're going to be getting information on, on what the issue is. Um, well, how do you think that we can appeal to the policymakers? Because ultimately you're saying there's policies that, that are in some way, maybe out from the outset, maybe they're not necessarily wanting to be malicious and trying to cause disparity. Well, in some cases that could be, that could well be the case, but Let's assume that that's not the case, and um, and maybe it's just that there's been like um, there's been like an overseeing of, of certain aspects. For example, like the like the period poverty issue. Um, some policies maybe they will just say, well, we're going to make a policy which promotes free help, uh, free education, access to free education, right? But then they forget that there's so many other aspects or to the actual student getting from their house to the actual Absolutely. to the facility. How can we appeal to the policymaker to, to understand? The thing is, we need more diversity within politics and mm -hmm. government and yeah. legislators. Yeah. If you still have predominantly men legislating, yeah. men are going to advocate for their needs because they haven't experienced periods or yeah. they don't necessarily understand those barriers and maybe their privilege and, and they don't understand... Um, you know the life of a girl in a village yeah. um, who doesn't have a sense you know sanitary pads yeah. you know if we're giving free condoms mm -hmm. why are we not giving free sanitary pads mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know so it's so those policies which can be kinder to the to the various circumstances which uh, females face yeah. so it's about having more female representation it's about having more women within politics and the only way that you can get that is to be able to have women rank up within education attainment of course, yeah, yeah, definitely, that makes sense. And I think also, um, from especially from the education aspect of what you've said as well, you know, it is, it's necessary, and I think this highlights the fact that there is a need for people to, 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 to go progress on the, on the ladder, the educational ladder, to then give back, you know. Because, for example, if, if you weren't, 
doing your PhD and if you didn't have Rises UK, your outreach would probably be much more difficult to actually have an impact on creating the policies. So I think there's also a lesson to learn from this in that, you know, although we can start something out based on our own personal interest, there's also a social impact that it can have. Um, so down the line, you know, you'll probably finish your PhD in about three, four years. In three years, three in, years. in 2022. Yeah, 2022. Uh, what do you, you know, obviously we've talked about what you, what you like, what you, um, what's motivated you to do this and what the issues are, but what do you hope to achieve with your research? Um, I really want the research to um, be fundamental in, in changing policy, which um, is harming um, girls in education. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to use that as a tool uh, for policymakers to kind of look into that and you know look at countries which which have closed the gap. And we have thirty five countries in the world who have closed the gap. So do you think it's a case of advocating for the policies to be uh, put forward? from the country itself. So for example, let's say we're talking about a country in Sub-Saharan Africa, right? Um, is it a case of getting the, the pushing for this within the country or for example, pushing it, push, advocating for it on an international level? I mean, it, I, I believe the policy has to grow organically. Right. So the needs that say Uganda will face are different to the needs that Colombia will face. Mm-hmm. You know, each country has to, has to grow their policy organically and it has to work. So social, uh, you know, social structures have to change. Mm-hmm. The way that girls are viewed has to change, but it has to be within that within that community, within that culture. Mm-hmm. So you can't legislate what works for Europe isn't going to work of for course. Africa, it's not going to work for Colombia. We're, dif- you know, we're, we're different. Even yeah. though we want sort of same objectives, it's not necessarily the same road. Yeah. So that's why it's quite, it's quite dangerous um, to presume that we know um, and that one, one size fits all. Mm-hmm. The, the objective is for female empowerment in whatever shape or form that looks like. Mm-hmm. And how does the the PhD? I mean, how how does the actual topic that you're that you're researching? How does it relate to the work that Raises UK is doing? And how do you actually intend to use that now to to sort of leverage what you're trying to do with Raises? You know, when when we're out there sort of receiving nominations from people and we're putting forward and celebrating, you know, most inspiring female role model, best community impact entrepreneur that's on an international scale Mm -hmm. so how it advocates is that it provides those real role models from people who aren't necessarily fitting you know the elite um, cluster Mm -hmm. Um, and and I believe that's how it sort of fits in you know if if we're a platform which is positive and making a positive impact you -hmm. know you're able to inspire that girl in Colombia or the you know girl in the village or wherever it is to say oh actually that person looks like me Mm -hmm. or that person comes from where I come from Mm -hmm. you know why can't I do it yeah definitely and do you see or foresee any industries where uh, women are are needed uh, particularly I think I think need women are really needed in politics mm-hmm. um, that's one of the biggest uh, gender gaps at the moment right. if, if sort of you're looking at the data so there's a lack of representation in, in women in politics um, also <clears throat> which is interesting even though there are countries which have closed uh, their education gap there are still uh, barriers for women to be able to be in careers which are sort of 
the future. So uh, there's a lack of women in technology, there's a lack of women in engineering, um, and we want to be able to see sort of more female represented in in those um, industries, which are which are the ones which will be driving forward um, the world and, and, you know, the world agenda, really. Yeah, and I think also just even based touching on the fact that you said that there's such a gap, uh, gender disparity in, in women in politics, you know, obviously then that will feed down into the policies that are actually being mm-hmm. driven out. And, Absolutely. And I'm guessing in some countries, you know, there's also the cultural impact, the cultural effect that is also a barrier to entry. Absolutely, but you know, Diego, you can't forget that even though we're talking about women, but there's also women within different ethnic groups. Yeah. You know, there's a lack of uh, Latin women in politics, or I don't, I haven't heard of any within. In the UK? Well, I mean, you know, if, if we're looking sort of at, at sort of Labour conservatives, we, we can't really see many of them in, I in think sort there's of front one bench. person I've seen, yeah, just one person that I've seen from Labour. So but, it's, it's, yeah, still, it's Minimum. Tiny, yeah. yeah. Um, if we're looking at sort of you know black women, you know there's there's just a lack of uh, of diversity in mm-hmm. general, uh, not just uh, gender diversity, but there's a lack of ethnic diversity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I think that um, I think from what we've talked and what we've what we've just discussed now, I think we, it's pretty clear to the listeners to see how it all ties in. You know, the, the personal experience, the education, the work you're doing with Raices and also the PhD. So it definitely, it's funny because at the outset when you started, it probably wouldn't have seemed, you know, it didn't seem that clear. But now you can see how it all pieces together and how it, it makes sense. Um, so with that said, and with the, the fact that there's experience taken from this, lessons taken from this, what career advice, what advice would you give to 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 to, the, to our listeners. So particularly, let's say a young Latin American uh, male or female um, who's listening. To maybe let's say they're in college or just about to go into university. What what advice would you give them? Uh, turn up. Mm-hmm. Do your work. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> follow. Yeah. Turn up. Do your. You know, if you follow. If you follow the structure, mm-hmm. it, it actually you, you can you can do it. Yeah. I I find that. Um, when when I look at sort of when I look at my projects, they seem so huge and mm-hmm. overwhelming. But if I take them uh, like bite-sized bits, and if I if I if I just take day by day, yeah. module by module, course by course, and I break it down, it really does add up, and you end up being successful. You end up graduating. You end up finishing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I can, uh, I can definitely second that because, for example, you're starting a new job and, and it can just seem overwhelming, but the, the experience really here is that, you know, taking it day by day, working at it gradually, eventually... You will, you, you will you, succeed. You'll succeed, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I really believe in that. I really believe in, in, just, in just taking it day by day. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the, to the Claudia of 10 years ago? Hold in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna do it. Yeah. Yeah. It no. works out in the end. It does. It does. If you if you if you're persistent mm-hmm. um, and if you don't give up, you will make it eventually, and yeah. you will become a lot stronger. So it's not just making it, but the person that I was ten years ago is not the person that, that you know that's here sitting down. Yeah. Uh, by far. So the lessons that you learn really do build your character. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I can. I can even see that in my life, you know, from 
I'm 25, looking back 10 years, there's definitely been some, some growth there, which is obviously what, what we do like. So, so yeah, um, finally, just before we finish, I think that it would be good to take the opportunity to also, for you to express why you think it's important for our listeners um, to engage in humanitarian work, because the work you're doing is very much related to that. Uh, you know, just so we finish, because I think that it can, over, it can often be overlooked. Um, sometimes society is very much promoting myself first, and humanitarian work is all about giving back. Um, so why do you think that it's important for, for our listener to, to take note of this? Um, well, yeah, well, because I believe that when you give, you grow. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no other way to, to have real sort of growth without, without giving and making an impact. Um, so that's why I think it's so important to develop mm-hmm. um, like that. You know, yeah. if, if all I'm doing is sort of promoting myself um, I'll only get to a certain point yeah. but if my focus is on being able to sort of help others um, the quality of person that I become is yeah. very different yeah. and I think where we're you know in a world which can be quite superficial yeah. um, I think there's so much potential to kind of you know everybody get together and I really believe that the agenda is is on being sustainable mm-hmm. be sort of within your profession um be with you know our environment it's all about being able to 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 give I mean there's just there's so much more than than just focusing on ourselves mm-hmm. definitely and I think we'll we'll finish the episode on that note um definitely thank you very much for coming it's been a pleasure to see you again to talk to you again and I think that our listeners will have quite a lot to 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 think about what you've said um, quickly before we finish, uh, your social media account so people can follow you. It's, oh God, I'm terrible at this. It's <laughs> at Clow um, underscore Adler. Yeah, and the Raices. And it's at Raices Official. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to say thank you to you mm-hmm. uh, for the work that you're doing. And I think it's fantastic that you're empowering, uh, you know, Latin Latin people around mm-hmm. uh, the UK and so excited to, to be part of it. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you to our listeners. You can follow our podcast across all platforms, and you can also uh, follow it on YouTube uh, by searching British Latino Network. My name is Diego, and it's been a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you.